0: Hey, everybody out there in the United States, we are coming on tour yeah. in January to select cities.
1: Yeah, so probably the city where you are is really, really cold. Yeah. Come down below <laughs> the frost line and yeah. see us. Yeah, and you know,
0: if you're in a cold place, we might see in the spring or summer. Don't fret. Sure. But uh, for now, we are sold out in San Francisco, San Diego, and Austin. Right. You can still get tickets in Dallas, Atlanta, Birmingham, mm-hmm. and New Orleans. And if you live in Mississippi... You might want to go to Birmingham if you're interested in seeing us. Uh, Yeah. Or, you know, surrounding areas around Birmingham. Sure, anywhere in the southeast. Yeah, maybe Atlanta and Birmingham are your best shots at this point.
1: Yeah. And you can make it to uh, New Orleans or Birmingham from the state of Florida, too.
0: Yeah, over in the Panhandle. Yeah. Yeah, just creep up north a bit.
1: Come on up. So come see us. If you want ticket information, go to sysklive.com, which is our wonderful website powered by Squarespace. That's right. Who are also sponsoring our tour because they're cool. That is right. Yeah.
0: So we'll see you guys then. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hi, and welcome to the podcast. (laughs) I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. There's Jerry. This is stuff you should know. Uh, that, ho- yep. that was my Isaac Newton impression. Uh, really? Yeah. You didn't have an accent. That was his. That's what he sounded like. Oh, okay. It's very. It's a very uh, common misconception that British people yeah. in the 17th century <laughs> sound like British people today. Yeah. They actually sounded exactly like how I just did. All
0: right. Boy, you did extra research then. It's mm-hmm. pretty good.
1: I travel back in time. uh, We
0: we just had a nice 10-minute discussion, uh, Jerry and you and I, about, or me, or I, Uh, who cares? I. Yeah. About uh, pop culture things that we've ingested since our break six weeks ago. Yep. And that could be a show. Everyone wants to know what we watched and absorbed and how we feel about it. But they never will. We talked about making of a murderer. Yeah. Or making a murderer. We talked about Hateful Eight and Star Wars. Right. And The Revenant. Yep. People want to know.
1: But they never will. you got to keep it mysterious. Right, guys? That's
0: right. And all this leads to Isaac Newton.
1: Who it was. Uh, so you know um, Wolfram Science World? Who? Wolfram Science World. It's a very, very bona fide science website. No dumbing down there. I've heard of it. So Wolfram put it like this. He's the bomb diggity. It is no <laughs> <laughs> it is no exaggeration to say that Isaac Newton is the single most important contributor to the development of modern science. And Wolfram Science World knows what they're talking about when it comes to contributors to science.
0: Yeah, you know what? I will agree with that, even though we will see he was many things, including a little screwy. Super screwy. But um what I gathered after researching this dude is that science, this was 17th century stuff going on. Science was the Wild West. Yeah. And he came in like a sheriff and basically brought order and discipline and said, this is the way we should do things if we want to be taken seriously, guys. Varmints. Um You can't just say things like the world's flat. You got to prove it.
1: Oh, or or this is kind of the thinking. And he he really kind of rose to prominence while the scientific revolution was already going. Sure, but he very much contributed to it because still at the time you could be like, well, the uh, the Earth spins because God spun it and it is God's <laughs> will. Yeah, and like people would be like, absolutely, yeah. scientist. N- not the case after Newton came along. No, he's right. like
0: you got to prove the stuff. There's got to be a method in place. You got to test things again and again. He was, I didn't know this. He was one of the, or if not the first person to average data. Yeah. What did they do before that?
1: Just cherry pick something? Probably. They're like, oh, that looks like a nice round number. I'll go, I'll use this one. So, like, if he measured, say, the, um, how long a top spun. Yeah. Because that's what scientists measure. Right? Sure. A lot of top spinning. Um, if he measured it four or five times and he got different measurements every time, yeah, I guess before they would just pick whatever one they liked the most. It just seems so.
0: He was the first one to average. Yeah, it just seems so second nature to think, well, averaging something is what you should do.
1: Right. But back then it wasn't. No, and that's, that, so that came up a, a lot while I was reading this article. This is a very good article by Jacob Silverman, who yeah. won on Jeopardy. Jeopardy, baby. champion. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he, 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 the way that he portrayed Newton, I think it, it gets across that we take Newton's work so for granted these days. Oh, yeah, absolutely. As just, that's the way the universe works. Right. That to think otherwise is just totally alien to us. Yeah. And it's, that's just such evidence of how much that man single-handedly yeah. changed the world. Absolutely. But you also can't say single-handedly. He's, uh, his genius is Unequivocal, right? Yeah. But he also did definitely stand on the backs of giants, on the shoulders of giants, people who came before him. As all scientists do. And the work of his peers. Yeah. But he also liked to take a lot of the credit for himself, yeah. sometimes unnecessarily. Yeah. He was a very complex man. He was uh, a scientist yeah. who deeply believed in God. He believed that, yeah. you, that there was law and order that could be deduced, that could be investigated, but it was... Orderly and rational because God was an orderly, rational creator. Yeah, he he
0: saw saw logic and he thought God was that logic.
1: Right. He also thought that the stuff that he was uncovering was actually ancient wisdom that was being recovered yeah. from pre-Christian civilizations. That That's had, where it gets a little screwy. Yeah, that had um kind of Da Vinci coded. Uh, this knowledge in things like pyramids and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and that he was hand selected as a select few to uncover this knowledge.
1: Oh, yeah, so much so that he, he made a, yeah. This is the best. He made a name for himself, Chuck. And once you start to really investigate Newton, you can just kind of see him like tittering to himself as he's <laughs> talking to himself in his chambers at Cambridge, calling himself this out loud to an empty room.
0: Yeah, he was, uh, he changed his name. Uh, or didn't change it. I'm sorry. He had a special name for himself. Yeah. Uh, Jehovah Sanctus Unis, which means Jehovah the Holy One.
1: And he he got that name by rolling a twenty sided die several <laughs> times.
0: Yeah. So that was his special, uh, I guess, council of of unique scientists, like yeah. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Right. That was his superhero <laughs> name.
1: Yeah. And he he was an alchemist as well. He very seriously pursued the study of turning plain old metal into gold yeah. of um, finding long life elixirs. Uh, he was a very complex man yeah. and a lot of people like to put him in in this this um rational scientist compartment uh, as like how we view scientists today typically. Yeah. And he wasn't
0: that. You just can't look at science the same in the 6th, 17th century as you do today.
1: No, because it wasn't. It, it like this guy was helping form science today. Yeah. And at the time it was he was seeking answers to the universe wherever there it was there weren 't many boundaries to him like if he could come to uh, conclusions about the universe through weird mysticism, then whatever he still came to the same conclusions that he did through mathematics, which by the way a major part of of which he helped develop single handedly almost yeah, it was kind of a
0: weird time because you could on one hand be a very rational thinker and say, you have to prove this, but you can also say, that lady didn't float, so she's a witch. Yeah. And that's why she drowned. Yeah. And and be completely like normal.
1: Right. Say it with a straight face. Yeah.
0: That was like, like Newton, like I can turn this mercury into gold, right? Yeah. There's an elixir that'll let you live forever. Sure. And I can also say you should average data and write the principia.
1: Right. I can also literally discover gravity. Yeah. Like, there was no such thing as gravity as far as humans were concerned before Isaac Newton came along. All right. So that's a great setup. That was Uh, even better than our danger (laughs) field setup.
0: So January 4th, which is yesterday in real time, was his actual birthday. Did not know that. Weird timing. Um, Uh, It depends on the calendar, buddy.
1: Depends on the calendar. Christmas
0: Day or January 4th, right?
1: Yes, but like a year apart rather than like a week or so apart.
0: Right, because one of the great myths is that he was born on Galileo's the day he Galileo died. Right. Which means that he's not true,
1: right? Galileo reincarnated. Is that what people say? Some people gotcha. Some people. Like Isaac Newton? Probably. I don't think he said that. But yeah, that was using the old uh Julian calendar. When you use the Gregorian calendar, his birthday was actually Jan uh January 4th of the following year. Or no, of the year before, I think. Oh, wow. So he got younger. No, of the same year. So like, if he was born December 25th on one calendar, oh, okay. for the other calendar, he would go back in time yeah, yeah, to the beginning of that same year. Right. So almost a year apart. And the reason that there is a weird discrepancy is um, in 1582, the Catholic nations converted from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar, full hundred or so years before Newton, or a little less than hundred years, but it wasn't until the 1750s yeah. that the British Isles Protestants converted to that Gregorian or Catholic calendar. We should do one on calendars. Oh, we definitely should.
0: More complex than you think.
1: But in the in in the in the continent and in Great Britain or the UK, um the which uh, one? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Still, after all yeah. these years, so it's Great Britain and Northern Ireland, right? The United Kingdom and Northern Ireland.
0: I, I'm just going to let you go down this oh, road. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, they used to notate dates with um, old style and new style, depending on what calendar. Gotcha. So anyway, that's the whole discrepancy between his birth date. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Sure it does.
0: Uh, all right, so let's go back in time. Let's get in the Wayback Machine. Yes. And go back to one of those two days, depending on our calendar, that we have in the Wayback Machine. How it's programmed.
1: Well, the Wayback Machine's programmed to, um. The, Gregorian? No, to Unix. Oh. So it's fine. <laughs> Great.
0: Uh, so we are back when he was born as a little baby. He was uh, premature and very sickly. And here's how things can go in the world. He wasn't supposed to live. And like, what would the world have been like without Isaac Newton?
1: Pretty dark.
0: Yeah, or at least it would have taken longer maybe. Yeah, or maybe it just would have been someone else. Like
1: the the clapper would have been invented, but we, <laughs> we would just assume it worked because God willed it to. That's
0: right. Uh born uh in 18 I'm sorry, 1643, not
1: 1843. No,
0: that's Darwin. Um he was from a family of farmers that did pretty well for themselves, uh although his dad Isaac died before a few months before he was born.
1: And was an illiterate farmer who was successful at his work.
0: But very big that his father died before he was born because he never quite got over that. He ended up um, living for a short time with his mother and new stepdad, Reverend Barnabas Smith. But he sounded like a jerk. Yeah. Who did not like Isaac. Said, I cast thee out. And he was cast out and lived with his maternal grandmother, for, basically.
1: Like, for nine years, from age three to 12.
0: Yeah. I mean, was pretty much raised by his maternal grandmother.
1: Yeah. And he was apparently old enough to realize what was going on because the any psychoanalyst would have a field day with Newton. Yeah. Because he grew up to be a very insecure man Yeah, who uh, had a l- tremendous amount of difficulty trusting people. Yeah. Because he was rejected. Yes, by his so. mother. Um and who who uh who suffered from what you would probably call these days hostile attribution bias. Okay. Where the any any slight or something was clearly intended by the other party. Right. Everybody else was hostile and out to get get 'em. Not necessarily making them paranoid, but just any slight was intentional. Yeah, yeah. Even when it was unintentional, which is a terrible very way to live. Yeah, yeah. It took everything personally.
0: Interesting. So this led uh, over his life to a couple of nervous breakdowns. Um and you know that also had to do with the fact that he worked tirelessly and didn't sleep well right. and was in a lot of ways a prototypical scientist like he never got married and was just consumed with his work and didn't take care of himself and uh sort of obsessed with his with his life's work.
1: Yeah. And uh, uh, some people have posthumously diagnosed him including Simon Baron-Cohen who's a um an expert on autism and uh uh Aspergers. Borat? His relative. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I don't think it's his brother, but I, they are related. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah, seriously. I was totally kidding. Well, you're totally right.
0: Uh so what did he diagnose him with? Aspergers? Oh, yeah.
1: But that's definitely come under fire lately. Right. They think that so there's something um called uh I don't remember what it's called but in 16 uh his second his second nervous breakdown in the 1690s, he um, they he stopped doing any kind of scientific research after that. Yeah, and he apparently m- declined mentally compared to his previous state, which means that he came down to about normal levels, I would guess. But they think that it was actually mercury poisoning. Oh, really? Yeah, from all the alchemy. Yeah, and, and that he wasn't necessarily autistic. It's an easy catch-all to to, to put him in that. Um, yeah. In that, again, in that compartment these days, but we don't know enough about him. Right. To say that whether he was autistic. Like, like one of the, um, one of the evidences was that he didn't play with the other kids. Um, he just right. kept to himself. Yeah. So they're like, well, that, that shows a lack of social communication yeah. skills or, or, um, you know, being able to uh, connect with others. But then if you look back at, at historical data, he, he, he tried to hang out with his peers at school, but they didn't like hanging out with him because he was too smart for them. Right. So they shunned him. Right. So you know, does that make him autistic? Or, right. Or does Does that mean he had autism spectral disorder, spectrum disorder, or yeah. Asperger's? You can't
0: say he may no. have, but it's easy to go back now and right. and put people on the on the spectrum.
1: But they do think because he was uh, exhumed a few hundred years after his death and they found a lot of mercury still right. like in his um, system. Wow. Or in his bones, I would guess. Yeah. Um, and they think that he he inadvertently poisoned himself and that that led to his second nervous breakdown and mental decline.
0: Interesting. Yeah. All right, well, let's take a break here and uh, we'll talk about his schooling years right after this. <laughs> Alright, so Newton in school, uh, wasn't a great student in high school, Um he- <laughs> Who
1: was the mascot? His of high, high school? school? Mascot was there, was there one? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Cause I thought there were those- God, that would be like really great trivia. Yeah.
0: Newton's high school mascot. What
1: was yours in Salento's? Mine what? If, remember Salento? The kid who's like, watch me whip, or, watch me nay nae, you guys went to the same high school, remember I told you that?
0: Oh! We were the Reed Ann Raiders. Raiders, okay. Yeah. And my elementary school was the Reed Ann Lil Raiders.
1: Oh, that is cute. Isn't it? Yeah.
0: L-I-L. Um, So he wasn't a great student. He uh, was also a terrible farmer because, of course, being uh, the son of a farmer, they were like, you need to work on the farm. And there are some people that think he'd purposefully, like he was clearly smart enough to do this, right. but purposefully failed at it so he didn't have to do it. Yeah. Because he was really into book learning. Yep. Uh so that makes sense to me. Um he did continue his education because he wasn't farming. Uh went on to Cambridge but um had to act as a valet to wealthy students for a little while. Yeah, he paid his it.
1: way through uh basically what we would consider undergraduate school.
0: Yeah, and then he got a scholarship which yeah. uh, allowed him to continue um through his uh graduate studies.
1: But all that didn't happen in like some smooth thing. So he went to school first. His mom came back for him took him out of school, tried to set him up as a farmer. He failed at that, ended up going to Cambridge, working his way, working to pay his own way through Why, Cambridge. Why, though? If they
0: had money, did they not want to pay for school, I wonder?
1: I, I think maybe his mom wasn't happy about it or something. I'm not sure. Okay,
0: because that's the only thing I couldn't figure out. Because she did have money, money yeah. for
1: sure. Um, but he had to pay his own way through Cambridge, or at least undergrad. And while he was there as an undergrad, Chuck, he he pursued his own Studies. Yeah,
0: he basically got a syllabus each quarter, tore it up, yeah. and said, "You guys don't know this yet, but I'm Isaac Newton, <laughs> and I'm gonna invent a great figgy cookie mm-hmm. and a lot of other great stuff."
1: That is a great figgy cookie.
0: Um, so, uh,
1: so he he almost he basically failed out or yeah, almost did. He's
0: self educating himself.
1: But there is a man named Isaac Barrow who was the Lucasian uh, Chair yeah. Professor. And he took a notice of Newton and said, I think there's a little more to this kid than appears to meet the eye.
0: Yeah, he was the Robin Williams to Newton's Matt
1: Damon. Precisely.
0: You know? Precisely. Except Damon was a, a custodian and Newton was an actual student.
1: But he did clean rooms, too. Yeah. So there is a pretty deep parallel there. How about that? But um, So Newton got his hands on something by the guy who came up with the Mercator projection. I can't remember his first name and basically took this book and expounded on it. Um And it was just mind-blowing stuff that he did. And he did it as like a 21, 22-year-old. Crazy. And Barrow got his hands on it and said, you need to stick around. So he ended up getting him basically a, a four-year scholarship for postgraduate studies.
0: Yeah, and not only that, but he, uh for various reasons, which we'll get into here and there, Newton was reluctant to publish a lot of times. Yeah. And Barrow was the one that, Really helped him say, like, you know, you need to get this out there. This is great stuff right. you've right. got. Yeah. Matt Damon. Yes. Like, you know what kind of movies you're going to be in after this? Yeah. You're, they're, gonna... they're, you're going to be
1: Private Ryan.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're going to be Jason Bourne. Yeah. And The Martian.
1: Sure. You Would can't you...
0: think of any other Matt Damon movies, can you? Uh,
1: sure, sure. <laughs> uh, uh, of course. Oh, you're going to be The Scoundrel and The Departed.
0: Yeah. hmm Great movie.
1: It is. I thought Jack really overdid it in that one. Oh, I loved it. Although, dude, I'll tell you something. Another movie I saw recently was The Shining. Yeah, I, I did say too. I saw it recently because I see The Shining probably every 3 months.
0: Yeah, I saw it again recently.
1: I think that that might be the best movie ever made.
0: It's pretty great.
1: I and no joke, I yeah. really think The Shining might be the, at least my favorite movie of all time. Mhm.
0: Boy, he uh Kubrick he can set a mood.
1: <laughs> it is so good. Yeah, and you can watch it. I can watch it anytime. Yeah, me too. Any time of year, any time of day, any day of the week, it's, I can watch Christmas the It's Christmas morning. Let's yeah. watch the Shining. Exactly. Uh huh. Yeah, and I'll enjoy it just as much as I would on like Halloween or something. You know, it's
0: my honeymoon night. Let's watch the Shining. <laughs> right. All the normal times. Sure. So um Newton eventually. uh Well, actually, not eventually. He was forced to leave Cambridge for. Um, a little while, because the bubonic plague swathed through London to the tune of about 100,000 people dead in six months. That's quick. So they closed Cambridge and said, everyone go home. He went home and... Everyone go home to London. <laughs> Get
1: <laughs> out, out of London. Here.
0: He went home and uh had a, what they called later, a year of miracles. The Annis Mirabilis. Uh, and it was... A little bit mythical in that supposedly he came up with all the great stuff of his career in this one year. Right. Probably played up for the newspapers.
1: Or, you know, for his own reputation of, of the yeah. age.
0: Because, uh, in reality, he did come up with a lot of great stuff, but he clearly didn't come up with everything in that year. He might have started a lot of good, uh, conversations in his head about things. Right. But, um, it, it was, a little trumped up that it was the Year of Miracles.
1: So it, it probably, like you said, there were some things I'm sure that he thought of during this year. But he I, loved again, story. he placed his entire career in this one year. Yeah. Uh, including the apple falling from the tree.
0: Should we go ahead and cover that? Sure. Did it happen?
1: Uh, probably not. And even if it did, it didn't. It, historians are like, that is a fairy tale on its face you can yeah. tell it's a fairy tale but newton himself is like oh no this happened this this is really true this is where it's the story. theory of a uh, gravitational um force sure came from
0: yeah like he was laying on the ground supposedly looking up at the moon wondering how's that thing just sitting up there yeah apple why isn't falls. it
1: spin off into space yeah
0: apple falls and he puts it all together sounds kind of unbelievable it sounds like folklore to me
1: it does, but again, he promoted this story sure he, he was did. definitely uh for somebody who was just a hair's breadth away from being uh a shut in, yeah, and there was a d in there it was breadth, not yeah. breath. I know the difference yeah <laughs> um and and he didn't have virtually any friends uh he had not one but two nervous breakdowns in his lifetime. Yeah. He was very insecure. He was also a, like an astute self-promoter. Yeah, he,
0: he had a lot of contradictory sort of <laughs> traits, I think. For sure. So, um, like we said earlier, he was, uh, very much noted for his precision, uh, with notes and experimentation, um, with the averaging of data and, uh, What else? Uh, The scientific method, of course. Putting these things into place.
1: Yeah, the scientific method was already around. Yeah. He didn't come up with a scientific method, but he definitely refined it and, and created the scientific method as we recognize it today. Under ideal scientific inquiry, when when a scientist today follows that scientific procedure, what he's doing, basically, or she, is following in Newton's footsteps. Yeah, Like, Newton took this thing and said, here's the best way to do this. Like... You, you, you make some observations from these observations. You come up with a theory mm-hmm. and then you figure out an experiment to test that theory. Yeah. And then you either you discard the theory yeah. or you, um, you, yeah, you test it again in, until the theory becomes basically, for all intents and purposes, proven. And like you said, as a result, after, after this coming up with it, when he laid this stuff down in his, uh, Principia Mathematica,
0: um, which is his big, his, not his life's work, but his, his biggest published work. Yeah. As far as being, uh, widely accepted and, re- and remarkable and game changing.
1: Yes. Universe changing. Yeah. Quite literally. Or at least it changed our understanding of the universe. Um, when he, when he laid all this stuff down, it's, it's, it wasn't like you could just say, it is because God wills it anymore. It was like, here is the framework for science from here on out. Right. All this. This is the best practice. And there's math behind all of it. And, and that was another thing, too. Like, so let's talk about, you want to talk about his Principia Mathematica?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, there was just a little thing in there called the three laws of motion. No biggie for yeah. physics at all. Right. right.
1: So there's inertia. Um, a, a body that uh, is at rest tends to stay at rest. Acceleration. Yeah. Which means. Things go super fast sometimes <laughs> when they're falling. And action and reaction, which is uh, the cue ball theory.
0: Yeah. And those are, while he didn't completely invent those, he, he, you know, Galileo started a lot of that talk. Yeah. A lot of that jibber jabber. Right. But Newton really uh, solidified it all. And it's remarkable to think that all these years later, that's still
1: the thing. Well, he solidified it. And so what Galileo did was he said, I've observed this and it seems to be... Universally applicable. Right. That if, if a ball is sitting there on a table and nothing's moving it, no wind is blowing, there's no force acting upon it, it's not going to spontaneously move. Yeah. And people went, Galileo, that was, that's amazing. Can you explain why? And Galileo was like, no. Newton came (laughs) along and he said, I can explain why. Right. And he added a, a third law of motion to that. And the whole point was he figured out that Everything has mass. Everything that has mass has some sort of force acting upon it. Right. And as a result, also can exert force on other bodies that have mass. Yeah. And what he figured out that force was, or that magical thing, was gravity, uh, universal gravitation.
0: Right. Which, uh, his law of universal gravitation, which is also
1: in the Principia. Um. And again, I, I don't think you can overstate this, Chuck. Yeah. People knew that, like, the moon went around the earth and that it was somehow adhered to the earth. Right. But they didn't really know why. Right. And out of nowhere, like, no one before him had ever suggested maybe it's this thing called gravity. Right. Newton, his perspective of the universe gave us the idea of gravity. It wasn't there before Newton. It's amazing. It was there because of Newton. It, it's here now. Yeah. Like, that's a huge contribution, just that alone.
0: And he's not one of these scientists, it's like a seventh-century scientist said this, and he was close, but it turns out he was wrong in every way, but it was a good start. Like, right. Einstein, although Einstein did go on to, to change and uh, not ad- adapt, well, I guess he adapted, but Newton was wrong in some cases, but some of these sure. laws are still spot on. Right. And this is like the mid to late 1600s. Yeah, they definitely. It's amazing.
1: Our understanding of gravity has been refined tremendously by, yeah. by um, Einstein and the idea of uh, relativity and quantum mechanics and all that. But for what Newton was doing, yes, he explained the universe. He in was the OG. Terms. He was. Uh,
0: he was the first person to say, you know what? Uh, this white light you see isn't actually white. It's actually a spectrum of colors. Yeah. And everyone's like, what? He did this as a student, too, And he said, even. watch this. And he got out of Prism, and bam, and everyone went, whoa. He got out of
1: prison. Prism? He. Oh, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah, and then we had the Dark Side of the Moon album cover. So you can thank Newton for that as well.
0: That's right. And he published that in 1704, in a, which is way after he experimented with Prisms, because he was reluctant to publish things a lot.
1: So he, well, let's talk about that. That was
0: published in Optics, uh, with a CK. Yeah, like Magic. I guess they dropped magic.
1: Yeah. Sometimes magic is spelled with a K. It'll oh, really? you know, it's like the real thing. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> so let's talk about that, Chuck. He he published um, Optics in 1704. Yeah. But he was doing these experiments in like the 1660s. Yeah. Um, and he didn't publish this stuff in part because he could not handle being challenged or criticized.
0: He didn't like that. He did
1: not like it. And he, he got into it a lot. Like part of the scientific revolution that was going on was that scientists around the world, well, at least in the West, were arguing with one another, were picking apart one another's theories, were, um, corresponding with one another about ideas and sharing all these thoughts. But a lot of it was contentious. And, um, his first, Newton's first nervous breakdown came because uh, Robert Hooke said that he stole uh, some of his ideas, and then they had it out in the journals through letters back and forth. Through uh, their whole life. Yeah. And then he also, the Jesuits, didn't accuse him of stealing any of their ideas, but um, he was he was corresponding with the monastery, and they were like, we like your, your thoughts, but we think your experiment might be slightly flawed. And he went berserk. He's like, what? Yeah. And then he had a, a nervous breakdown, which was finally completed in 1669, uh, I believe, w- with the, or 1679, I'm sorry, with the death of his mother. Yeah. So he was doing experiments. He started to kind of come out with them publicly. They, they were challenged and questioned. He lost his, his, he went berserk. Yeah. It probably
0: stems from his rejection from childhood, of course. I, that's what I would guess. You know,
1: he withdrew and then throughout the 1670s didn't do any kind of, um, publishing or research. Yeah. It kind of went dark. Yeah. Then his mom dies. And then, um, he finally comes back out of it thanks to the help of like Isaac Barrow and then later on other colleagues like Edmund Haley.
0: Yeah, of Haley's Comet.
1: And then finally publishes. But if you notice the date of the publication of Optics, that comes after Robert Hooke, who is his lifelong arch nemesis, has died. That's right. And, uh, and they never
0: worked it out. There wasn't some like, uh, Levon Helm, Robbie Robertson deathbed. Hey, I still love you, man. Right? Like they booning? They died? No, come on, they died. Bitter rivals. Yeah, uh, yeah. Newton and, uh, and right. Hook. No, I know. Yeah, I, I know. A band reference is probably lost on most people. Just Google it.
1: Google the band.
0: Yeah, and there's also like a hundred dudes that are like,
1: "Yes, what a <laughs> reference."
0: Uh What else did he do? How about a little something called the reflecting telescope?
1: Yeah, that's a big one.
0: Uh back in the day refracting telescopes were all the rage. Uh but you couldn't really focus that well on them, <laughs> which is sort of key with the telescope. <laughs> They'd be like, Is that a star? <laughs> yeah, sure, let's call I it a star. Think. Uh and let's name it after me. Um but they use mirrors, so he said, You know what, dudes, let's use lenses. Uh it can be about one twelfth the size and in focus, boom. Yeah. And all of a sudden
1: Like if you drop the average size of a telescope down. That would like, have been good enough. Yeah. Even if it still was crappy. To of its size, yeah. Yeah. But uh, he actually improved it as well.
0: That's right. And that got him into the Royal Academy when he presented it at the uh, urging of Barrow again.
1: I think that was Barrow that actually did the presenting.
0: Oh, he did? Yeah. But he said, it's this guy. And
1: Newton just stood off to <laughs> the side, this quivering. This guy, the guy to my left. With his security blanket <laughs> around his shoulders. He had his whoobie. Uh
0: And he also created a little something uh, that I hate called Calculus.
1: I and he don't cre- even hate calculus because I am that unfamiliar with it.
0: Yeah, I had to take a calculus class and I wasn't good at it. Uh the remarkable thing is he created calculus because the limits of geometry. Yeah. He was like we need more higher level of math to right. to figure this out and I'm going to invent it. Not to figure it out to explain yeah to make sense of what he figured out. Yeah, so He's cal- like, calculus so- is great with things in motion. Right. And geometry isn't. No. And he was all about, well, not all about, but he was keen on things in motion.
1: Yeah. Well, you kind of needed them. Like you could say, well, this, you know, an ellipse is, is, um, you can describe it geometrically, but you can't really describe an orbit of something. Right. It's motion in the, in an ellipse just through normal geometry. So I'll just invent a, a supersized version of geometry to help explain my discoveries.
0: Yeah. And, um, which it is wasn't, nuts. Yeah. It wasn't called calculus, though. So it was called the Fluxians, which I think uh, we should bring back, totally bring it back. Yeah. We should call it, everyone should call it the Fluxians.
1: I might as well. I refer to calculus so infrequently that yeah, I can sure. just call it the Fluxians. Yeah, and people will be like, what does that mean? Yeah. I'll say, look it up. All right. Let's take
0: a break here, and we will get into uh, the later uh, years of Newton's life when things got a little weird. All right, so we mentioned his lifelong uh, rivalry with Robert Hook. Um, Not the pirate. Not the pirate. Uh, Was there a pirate named Robert Hook? Captain Hook from Peter Pan. Was it
1: Robert? I don't know.
0: he didn't have an E on the no, end. No,
1: I think, I want to say it's James Hook. I think James Hook. I think you're right.
0: Yeah. Um. So not the pirate. Uh. He also had a rivalry with, Um. well, he had a rivalry with many scientists, but another dude who claimed he invented calculus. Oh,
1: Liebens. Yeah, Liebens. So that's a weird story, the story of calculus. Who, yeah. Who invented calculus? Because think about it. People don't invent new more refined forms of math every day, do they? Well. No, they they don't. They think they might. Not even the state. Well, when they come down off the acid, they realize that it's all (laughs) just chicken scratch, right? right?
0: And get this tinfoil hat off my head.
1: So when, when... Not only Newton said that he created calculus, Lieben said that he did as well within a decade or so of each other. There was quite a bit of hubbub over who actually created calculus. And to make the whole thing even more murky, they had corresponded with one another about the ideas of calculus. Yeah, and scientists aren't,
0: not all scientists, so please don't write in and say, I'm not like that. But scientists, a lot of times in history, some of the more notable scientists aren't big on being like, yeah, we, we totally like help each other. It's usually like, no, I invented that. Right. Because that's their legacy. Yeah. I think that they're fighting for.
1: Sure. And sometimes it's definitely pride themselves on their legacy. And Newton was probably one of them.
0: Yeah. And big money.
1: So he, um, he and Liebens had this ongoing dispute and they had their supporters as well who, who disputed. And it wasn't just a Liebens versus Newton in who created calculus. It was also the Isles versus the continent. The Catholics versus the Protestants. Yeah. There were a lot more divisions to it than just these two men. But from what I can gather, historians now believe that um, Liebens and Newton independently developed calculus on their own. Really? Is that the
0: the modern way of thinking?
1: Yeah. N- Newton probably beat – his note suggests that he came up with calculus before Liebens, but that Liebens came up with it on his own as well.
0: Okay. Wow, that's pretty remarkable.
1: It is. It's almost like a soccer score. Everybody <laughs> wins, you know?
0: Uh He also, in the dark years, we talked about when he sort of fell off the radar and wasn't publishing much. Uh, that's when he was getting into the alchemy, um, which we said, um, ranges. What it really was, was sort of a precursor to chemistry in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we look back on it with a little more understanding. At the time, though, it was illegal up until, like, I think, a... About Tw- his birth, twenty oh, right before his birth, uh-huh. it was actually illegal because it was, I guess, sort of like a, one of the dark arts or something.
1: Yeah, and they were burning people at the stake for practicing alchemy, right? Which, again, at the time, it was a little fruity, you know. But it wasn't <laughs> so much so that a, uh, uh, it, it wasn't science wasn't necessarily so close to the concept of mystical truths as it is today, right? Um, so you could conceivably be uh, involved in scientific inquiry and find yourself going down this alley of alchemy. Yeah. Even still, Newton was like, "Eh, this would be bad for my name and I might be fired if they found out that I was into alchemy. And so he kept it a closely guarded secret.
0: Yeah. Not only did he, but his family after his death kind of kept that stuff quiet for a while. Right. Uh, and I think it was the early 1990s when... All of his works were finally published,
1: and they were like, "Whoa, this yeah. guy was really <laughs> all over the place, all
0: out there." Uh, we also mentioned earlier briefly that he thought that um, he thought that alchemy was uh, like an ancient riddle, mm-hmm. um, and it was up to him and other uh,
1: up to him, Jehovah Sanctus Unus,
0: yeah, to figure it out. And the a- answer is out there, and he's one in, in a line of great men chosen to do so. Yeah, a little screwy, yeah, at this point, right. Or am I being cold? He believed in the Philosopher's Stone.
1: I have a tremendous amount of respect for him having a, a scientific mind that was open to yeah, sure. all sorts of stuff.
0: And again, this was the 17th century, so let's cut him some slack. Yeah. Uh, but he did believe in the Philosopher's Stone, which was thought to uh, aid in alchemy, cure disease, and um, uh, some think or thought that uh, like the key to eternal life was in the sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. Philosopher's stone, sorry. Right.
1: Sorcerer's Sorcerer stone. stone. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> a little different. <laughs> and Chuck, um not only was he into alchemy and mysticism as well, um he also was very much into uh like obscure Christian stuff too. Yeah. So like one of his pursuits that he amused himself with on the side was chronology. Yeah. He wanted to he believed the Bible was a literal history of um, the, the world, the world. Yeah. and that the prophecies in the Bible were directly from God who could who who could see to the end of time and knew everything that was going to happen already right. so everything in the Bible he called a um, history of future events basically Ooh that's a better name and so his whole thing was if you can go back now that we understand timekeeping better and astronomy you could go back and sync um things that happened in the Bible yeah. to current astronomical dates. You can put a current date on them. So you could say when um you know, this happened, when the the, the walls of Jericho actually fell. Because yeah. he believed all this stuff happened. Or right? when something might happen in the future. Exactly. And apparently he did just that. He interpreted this one section of the Bible about the end of the world coming and he dated it to twenty sixty. Yeah. Coming up. We'll see. So, uh, I read a, a, a little blurb from a scholar of, on Newton who said, like, he, this was something he did to amuse himself in private. It was never meant for public right. consumption. Yeah. But he probably would have believed that he got that date right. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he worried about getting dates wrong and didn't think that people should mess around with stuff like that because you are fallible in, in, in setting dates like that. Yeah. Um, which is probably why he never meant it for publication, but he probably thought he was right. Yeah. And that had he lived to 2060, he would have seen the end of the world.
0: Uh, he also dabbled in something called Arianism, which, uh, has nothing to do with white people. Um, it was, it was, it was actually a priest named Arius from Libya. Is he a Libyan priest? Mm-hmm. Who came up with this, and the idea is that, um, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and, and Christian theology, uh, it disrupted that and said that Jesus may have been created by God, but he is not divine. Uh, if you believe in Arianism, that's what you believe. Right. And, and Newton was an adherent of Arianism, which wasn't
1: super popular at the time. No. Or, or ever, probably. It was basically stamped out by the 7th century. Yeah. And here's Newton in the 16th, the 17th and 18th century. He's a holdover. Yeah. Who's like, oh, this, this makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. What an obscure, arcane thing to think of. And he, he got into religion in college, actually. Another weird thing to do. Even at that time. Yeah, that's when you get out of religion. Sure. That's <laughs> when you start to question things, right? That's when he got into it. And yeah. Apparently one of the first things that he did, he was a bit of a prude. One of the first things he did was, um, write down a list of every sin he ever committed. Yeah. And they weren't exactly groundbreaking. Like, um, Silverman points out that one of them was, uh, he broke the, the Sabbath by baking pies. One Sunday. How dare he? Like, this is the kind of sins that he's like... He also said he
0: wanted to burn his mother and stepfather alive in their home, (laughs) right? which was one of the sins he recorded. So he did have a darker side. Did he really?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, he really did? Yeah. That wasn't a joke. Oh, I thought it was... I was like, that was a weird joke. No, he had quite a range from baking
0: pies to burning his parents alive. Like, just
1: wanting to, though, right? Yeah. Okay. He didn't make an attempt to or anything? No, 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 no.
0: That was... Yeah, the sin was... Threatening to or wanting to. I'm not sure if he gotcha. verbalized it or if he just thought it in his head. Yeah. But he like he was a re- rejected little kid. And yeah, I imagine I'm sure he did that God would have was... been like
1: Yeah. Yeah, who wouldn't want to? <laughs> so we were talking about Arianism though. There's um is this a very her- her- um, heretical, heretical thought yeah, that Jesus isn't divine. Yeah. But that you should still worship him. Right?
0: Yeah. It- it was a very unusual line of thinking.
1: Right, and, and like critics of that kind of thinking say, well, that, that worships, um, poly, or that creates polytheism, because you're worshiping God, but you're also worshiping Jesus, who's not divine. You are wrong, 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 wrong. And the Council of Nicaea, um, which was a learned council that basically decided what went into the Bible. Yeah. Uh, in the fourth century said, uh, no, the Trinity is absolutely correct and anything against that is heresy. Right. And you should be burned at the stake. So even that, um, I get the impression that his fellow dons at Cambridge knew that he was into Arianism. Yeah. Or if they didn't, they may have suspected that he had unorthodox beliefs about Christianity. And so that just created an even wider gulf between him and, and the people who he, he saw on a daily basis.
0: Well, he definitely thought that Catholicism and uh, some other like branches of major religions were very corrupt yeah. and not to be trusted. Uh, yeah, he was,
1: he was an odd guy. Uh, <laughs> we can't get that across enough.
0: Um, later in life, but he did not sit on his laurels. Uh, later in life... He was made uh he accepted a position at the mint. Mm-hmm. Um and apparently that that sorta of sounds like the old uh I'm gonna retire as a CEO and work as a consultant. <laughs> like I'll make more money than I did ever before right. for not doing much work. Yeah. Um apparently that was the deal with the mint. You got appointed later on in your life to the mint and he kinda just made a lot of dough and didn't do much. Yeah. He was like, No, 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 I'm gonna actually do something. He like three years later became master of the mint. mm mm-hmm. And he is the one responsible for changing the English pound uh, standard from sterling to gold. Is that right? Yeah. So he was actually trying to get things done.
1: And he went after counterfeiters? Went after counterfeiters. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Not bad. He was also later in life elected the president of the Royal Society of London which is the Academy of Sciences in, in the UK. Yeah.
0: He was a member of parliament. He was elected to parliament.
1: But he, yes, he was twice. Yeah. And actually he was knighted in 1705. Sir Isaac. And the queen apparently knighted him for political reasons. She wanted to help. He was standing for parliament again, and she wanted to help his chances of being elected. So she knighted him. Not for his scientific achievements. Oh, interesting. But because of the election of 1705. It didn't help. He still didn't unseat the guy that she wanted out of office. Right. But he got knighted anyway. Good for him. Yeah. What a complex dude.
0: Yeah. There's a t-shirt. Just a picture of him. Complex dude underneath.
1: And uh, we should, we didn't really talk quite enough about it, but he definitely Stole people's ideas in certain ways. There's a guy named, um, uh, John Flamsteed, and he, like, Newton used a lot of his work to help form the basis of his theory of universal gravitation. And, um, Flamsteed, I guess, rubbed Newton the wrong way. Yeah. And Newton just removed any reference to Flamsteed yeah. in his second edition of the Principia.
0: I think all scientists build on the backs of those who came before them, but it, it's be, it'd be cool to say, like, and this would not have been possible without the work of Flamsteed. Right. Not like, oh, you know what? Let's redact that and take his name out of there because, I think mean, he's right. a jerk. I don't
1: like how it's spelled. Yeah. Uh, we'll end with his epitaph, though, because it, it definitely gets the point across, I think, correctly. His epitaph says, mortals rejoice at so great an ornament to the human race.
0: Wow. I thought it was business in front, party in the rear. <laughs> <laughs> no? No. He invented the mullet, you know.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. You ready? I'm ready. If you want to know more about Isaac Newton, type those words into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. Since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail.
0: Uh, I'm going to call this Don't Yuck Someone's Yum. Oh. Hey, guys. after kisk, listening kisk. <laughs> After listening for years, love you guys. Your Christmas episode had me yelling at my iPhone, and I decided I need to send a note. Uh, You were both adamant about never even trying fruitcake, and then went on to insult it with open barrels. I probably would have agreed with you three weeks ago, because I'd also never touched a fruitcake or eaten one. However, last week I finally looked at the ingredients and was amazed. Sugar, molasses, ginger, fruit, loaded with rum. Uh, There is rum in the batter, and when done baking, you actually drizzle with more rum, wrap it in cheesecloth to soak it in even more with rum, the only bad thing I can figure out about fruitcake is that this particular recipe needs to sit and rum for 10 weeks before eating. Wow. Uh, so just because you have not tried fruitcake, you shouldn't be such naysayers. Give fruitcake a break. My nephew has several rules, and rule number four is don't yuck someone's yum.
1: You know, that, uh, that's absolutely true.
0: We were total yum-yuckers. Yeah. Uh, and as, as soon as I read this, I was like, man, I was a yum-yucker. I need to try fruitcake.
1: Apparently, there's this thing going on where Slate was like, beer has too much hops in it. What's the deal? I've seen a lot of and that. And some, somebody like, did a takedown of it that went viral that was like, "What? what is it to you if you don't like hops in your yeah, beer? and drink good. different kinds of beer. Why do you have to publish an article about how you don't like hops? Yeah. At the same time, it's like, really, is that taking away from your enjoyment of your hoppy beer to know that somebody at Slate doesn't like it?
0: I think what I've heard the complaint of, and this is on the Stuff You Should Know message board and otherwise, is that non-hops enthusiasts are aggravated that the craft beer movement these days is way too hoppy, and it's hard to find things other than pale ales and IPAs. But that's not true. There's plenty of craft beers out there that aren't IPAs.
1: Seems to be that way. There's a lot of IPAs, but it seems like a lot of people love them. That's probably where they're making them. Right. Right. Like, I can't stand barley wines, but you don't hear me saying, I can't stand barley wines. Right.
0: They're disgusting. Much less take the time to write an article about it.
1: Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, I guess I'm conflicted about all this. Both sides are wrong. Big shout out to our
0: friends at uh, Creature Comforts in Athens and their delicious Tropicalia, which made, I think their brewery was one of the top five best new breweries, according to... uh, maybe Forbes, some big magazine.
1: And a huge shout out check to Boulder Beer Company who sent us a bunch of huge bombers yeah. that were awesome.
0: And, um, a, uh, I
1: gave the barley wine one to Noel, by the way. Oh,
0: really? <laughs> yeah. He like just soaked his beard in it and let it seep in.
1: Yeah. And while we're talking about free booze, I was lucky enough to take home the shaker and spoon box that got sent to us. What's that? It's like Blue Apron, but for cocktails. Ooh! They send you everything but the booze, including like a zester. I needed a zester, oh, like wow. all the different kinds of like um, demerara syrup and yeah. everything you need, plus cocktail recipes. You've been enjoying it. Oh, it's already long gone enjoyed. Gotcha. They were great. It's just like add bourbon and follow the recipes. But they're like really sophisticated, smart recipes that you may never try. Yeah. That are like all the ingredients you need and easy instructions. So it was good. And the guy said, I think his name is Mike. He said if you and Jerry wanted a box, he would totally hook you up. Uh, Tinctures? I I strongly recommend it. Yes, there were more than one tincture in the box.
0: Uh, And um, to follow up, this is the longest of mail ever. On the Brooklyn, or I'm sorry, the Boulder uh, uh, Beer Company, uh, your hoodie T-shirt that you sent me uh-huh. is one of my favorite new shirts. Yes. And I wear it all the time.
1: Yes, he does. All right. So that uh, Wait, hold on. Uh-huh. We might as well thank Little Bit Sweets for the nice that you sent us. And thank you very much to Mona Collentine and her family for sending the box, the annual box of uh, Christmas goodies. That so that's always a, so a
0: precursor to our... Uh, uh, administrative administrative details.
1: details. Oh, and thank you to the Hex. They sent us like a <laughs> bunch of Karaba's gift certificates that we're going to use for lunch. Oh, really? Yeah, and a bunch of other stuff too. But I mean, like they sent us a significant amount of Karaba's of, uh, gift certificates.
0: You got those in your wallet?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I got them tucked in my cheek. Uh,
0: so that is from uh, Carolyn from New York and her nephew. We didn't mean to yuck the yum.
1: Yeah, you're right, nephew.
0: Yep. Sometimes kids can set adults straight. Yeah. Just... Don't do it much or you'll get the old belt. <laughs> Just kidding.
1: Uh, if you want to get in touch with us to send us stuff, to send us an email, to take us to task, who cares? You can uh, send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. You can join us on facebook.com slash stuff You can tweet to us at SYSKpodcast. And you can hang out with us at our home on the web, com.